Praise the Lord. Are you part of that blood-bought church? I'm so thankful I'm part of the blood-bought church. Purchased in the blood. Amen. How many of you ever had your, your blood drawn at a lab before, a hospital? Why do they do that? Well, they want to check your cholesterol, right? Or they want to see what else might be going on in your body, correct? You know, they, they, they take that to the lab, the technician draws the blood, and then they get a readout, if you will, of everything that's in your blood, right? Well, a thorough investigation of the new covenant gives us a printout and a readout of everything that belongs to us because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about one huge, major blood-bought benefit. I want to talk to you this morning about righteousness. Righteousness simply means right standing with God. Amen? You know, in Romans chapter 3, it talks about having faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me at Romans chapter 3, and we'll look at a few verses beginning in verse 21. Ready, read. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life through the shedding of his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Everyone say, I have faith faith in the blood blood of the Lamb. Lamb. And so this blood, hallelujah, makes you righteous in the sight of God. Now, a lot of people know and will agree with the fact that Jesus Christ was made sin for them. But they won't really uh, come up and own up, if you will, to the fact that That through that, they have become the righteousness of God in Him. Now, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. And notice with me in the 21st verse. For He has made Him to be sin for us. How many of you agree with that? So that's God made Jesus sin with your sinfulness. Now, we we own up to that, amen? Amen. But what about the rest of the verse? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Everyone say, I am am the righteousness righteousness of God God in in Christ. Now, the Wood translation says it this way. Think of it. Christ the sinless was made the personification of sin for us in order that in union with him, we might become the very righteousness of God. Amen. Now, how many of you have ever had the privilege of flying in a jet airplane? All right. That's most of you. Now, you know, if you take Southwest and I'm not, you know, advocating taking Southwest over Delta. Or Delta over United. It's just a mere illustration. But most of the jets that fly in the United States of America are 737s. It's an older jet. And, you know, you'll get on the jet. And uh, they'll have economy class. And then they'll have first class. Okay, so there's usually two sets of classes there. How many have ever flown on a 747? Or a 777? Where it's a bigger jet, you know. 
and there's a lot more room. Well, in those jets, you know, they've got economy class, and then they've got economy plus class. And so for $50 or $75 extra, you can fly an economy plus, and you can have about this much more space for your feet. You know? And so you're, you're, you're sitting in there, you paid the extra 75 bucks, and you're like this, and you're conscious of the person next to you because you don't know whether to put your arm on the thing or not. And sometimes they're lopping over and just asleep with a like that. And you've got about just this much space. You know, but you're happy because you got your peanuts, right? You know, you, you, you got your peanuts, and, and uh, if you're real blessed, you get a Coca-Cola or an orange juice, you know, something like that. But in those bigger jets, you know, they also have business class. And uh, I've had the privilege of flying business class a couple times, you know, overseas. Usually I fly economy. I don't like spending the money. You know, you're going to go to the same place anyway. Your legs are going to feel better if you fly business. But, you know, you'll get over it. You know, people have given us some mileage and we've been able to do that. But then there's this curtain between business and economy and first class. And as you peer through the curtain, especially if you're in economy, they're up there eating prime rib. And you've got a bag of peanuts. You been there? And so, you know, uh, there's first class, there's economy class, and you know that you're treated like royalty in first class. But you know, you back there in economy, sometimes they act irritated that you even showed up. And, and I think I'd be irritated, too, if I had to deal with you. <laughs> and the likes of me sometimes. But there's all of these different classes. You know, and sometimes I think in the body of Christ, we have that same mentality. We sometimes think in terms of, well, you know, there's an economy class Christianity. And then, you know, if you do some good works, there's business class. But if you're really a goody two-shoe, you get over there in first class. But I'm here to tell you that by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you get born again, you are all brought into first class righteousness with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Your seating is bought and paid for. Amen. Anybody ever been to a ball game and it was a first class seat at the ball game and what made it real good, you didn't have to pay for it. Well, in Christ Jesus, this blood is for you. Your salvation has been bought and paid for. You've got special seating at the right hand of the master. You're an heir of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. First class, righteousness. And that's the kind of righteousness that you and I have. For he, God, made him to be sin. You see, he took our sinful condition so that we could take upon us his righteous condition. You see, before I was born again, I never committed any righteousness. I never did any righteousness. Amen? All I did was sin. Why? Because that's what sinners do. 
Well, likewise, Jesus never did any sin. Amen. But he took our sinfulness so that we might come into first class righteousness with him and have the nature and the character of God. Oh, that's good news. That's awesome news. And so that's the way that God sees you. He doesn't see you in all of the fleshy things that, you know, that are are evident in your life. He sees you through the blood. He sees you as right in his sight. He sees you as his workmanship. He sees you as his masterpiece. You see, he sees you through his son. He sees you through eyes of love. And that's good news. And so what we need to do then is we need to get our minds renewed and start seeing ourselves the way that he sees us. You see, when you're born again, you are born into the family of God. Amen. Now I can see that this is a man right here. Amen. And if I was to ask him, well, how do you know you're a man? He'd say, I was born that way. Well, how do you know you're the righteousness of God? Because you were born that way. You were born out of sin, born out of unrighteousness, born into the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh man, that's good news. Now notice with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. I want you to to read that with me. 2 Corinthians 5 17 says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now notice that phrase, old things are passed away. Now if you had gray hair before you got born again, that doesn't mean you're all of a sudden going to look like that guy on the ad just for men. (laughs) You know, if you had a pug nose before you were born again, you're going to have a pug nose after you're born again, right? I mean, if you were six foot two before you were born again, you're going to be six foot two after you're born again. You may feel a little taller. Amen. You may feel a little better, but on the outside, old things haven't passed away. But on the inside, old things have passed away. And now you're a new man down on the inside of you. You are a new creation created in the image and likeness of God. God's given you a set of new eyes spiritually. He's given you a new heart spiritually. He's given you some new ears spiritually. And the old man died and the new man lives. Woo! Glory! One translation says, Behold, the old is gone and the new and fresh is come. So if any man be in Christ, you know what? You look a whole lot better in Christ than you did out of Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you suppose God made a few righteous new creations and then a few unrighteous creations just to balance things out? No, we're all righteous new creations in Christ Jesus. And that's the good news of the gospel, my friends. And the quicker you can begin to see yourself the way God sees you, the happier your little life is going to be. I mean, this revelation got down on the inside of me as a young Christian. I'll be honest with you. I felt like the scum of the earth. I felt so insecure. I felt so inferior. 
I felt like I was a worm just scraping by. I felt depressed. I felt oppressed. I felt lousy about myself. And part of it was because of the religious upbringing that I had. You know, I was taught that, man, you better shape up or God's going to get you for that. You know, I thought God had a great big club and a big hammer waiting for you to do wrong. And when you did wrong, he was just going to knock you over the head. Well, that's not the God of the Bible. That's the God of the religion. You see, religion will condemn you and kill you, but Christianity will love you and will lift you. And so I felt very poorly and very badly about myself. And a lot of it was my own upbringing. And a lot of it was the way that I acted as a sinner. But I'll tell you what, when I got born again, that old inferiority complex left me. That fear left me. It melted out of my life like a snowball in a hot Texas July sunshine. Amen. And I'm telling you, it will do the same thing for you. Because here's what righteousness is. Righteousness is right standing with God. Right standing with God. And I like what Mr. Kenyon says about righteousness. He says, righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God, just as if sin never existed before. To give you the ability to stand in the presence of a good God without a sense of guilt. Woo, glory. Without a sense of inferiority and without a sense of insecurity. That's awesome. And so that's why he says, son and daughter, I want you to come boldly to the throne of grace. Because you see, righteousness will not only give you a sense of belonging. And righteousness will not only give you a sense of who you are and an identification in Christ. But righteousness will also give you a boldness before the throne of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Everyone say, I am. Today, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We want us to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 22, if we might. Glory to God, everyone shout, hey, the Lord is good. Look at this verse. Read this with me. I want this to settle into your spirit today. It says, having therefore, brothers, boldness to enter in to the holiest by what? By the blood of Jesus. Notice with me that your right standing with God gives you boldness. And as a result of being bold, you have access to the throne of grace. Amen. Now look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. See, you don't have to slither up to the throne room and try to talk to God. No, you can enter into his presence with a sense of belonging. Not arrogantly. Not thinking that you're all that, but knowing that your confidence is in him who lives on the inside of you. Glory to God. Notice this in verse 16. Ready, ready. Therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, how many of you need some help? I don't know about you, but I need all the help I can get. But the good news is, I've got all the help I can receive. All I've got to do is come boldly to the throne of grace as the righteousness of God and talk it over with my Father God, and He will pour out His blessing upon my life. Notice again, let us therefore, it doesn't say come coldly. 
See, a lot of people's relationship with the Lord has gone cold. Instead of being bold, they've gone cold. Now, why is that? Because their sin has separated them from fellowship with the Father. That's why it's so important at the first sight of sin, at the first sensation of sin in our lives, we get it out. Amen? Because we don't want our hearts to wax cold in this day and in this hour. You can't afford to be cold in the kingdom. I'm going to take it a step further. You can't afford to be lukewarm in this kingdom. You know what the Bible says? If you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you or spit you out of my mouth. We don't want that to happen. We don't want to have a form of godliness and have all this power available to us and not be able to tap into the power of God. You see, the righteous, those who are on right standing with God, should have effectual, red-hot, on-fire prayer lives. To where they go to the throne room, not just when they have a need, but they go to the throne room because they have a sense of belonging. And their Father is on their side and it's for them. Amen. So he didn't say, come coldly, come boldly. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. You see, it makes tremendous power available. And it becomes dynamic in its working. But if you think that you're no good and that you're not worthy, you'll never ask God for anything. Are you listening to me? You'll never ask God for anything. Why? Because you're not worthy. Because you're, 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 you're sin conscious. The Bible says that we are to awake to righteousness. And as we wake to righteousness and to this revelation that we have right standing with God, sin will be placed under our feet. And so come boldly to the throne of grace because you have a sense of belonging. Listen, God loves you. And you know something? He wants to hear from you. I said he wants to hear from you. And I can remember when my youngest son, James, was backslidden. We wouldn't hear from him for long periods of time. Now, why was that? Because he was conscious of the sin that was happening in his life. See, sin consciousness causes you to draw away with fear. But righteousness consciousness causes you to draw nigh with faith. Are you listening to me? So... You know, we wouldn't hear from him for months and, you know, we almost had to track him down and find him. Now I can say those things now because he's restored. Thank God he's restored. He's in fellowship with God. But you know what? When you're not doing right and you know to do right, you're not going to want to be around the people of God. And there's a lot of people have left the church because they're not right and they're not doing right. And they're making excuses like I'm too busy. And they're making excuses like, well, the pastor used to be anointed, but he ain't anointed no more. And I'm not getting fed anymore. Lying devil. I'm as anointed now as I've ever been. The word is as alive and as good now as it's ever been. Something's changed. It ain't me that's changed. It's people that change. Somebody's moved. It's not God that moves. It's we that move. But oh, if you'll draw nigh to God. Come on, somebody. If you'll draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. 
And maybe you're out of fellowship with him today. He will restore the years. He will restore your broken relationship. And he will cause you, praise God, to have boldness once again. So you can enjoy the fruits of sonship. And the fruits of being an heir of God. And a joint heir with Jesus. You don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I could go to hell if I let myself go to hell. All I'd have to do is start acting like the devil. Are you listening to me? We don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven. I mean, what in hell do you want? <laughs> There's nothing good down there. There's nothing in hell you want. And these people that think, well, you know, I'm going to go down to hell and oh, we're going to party, party, woo, party. Yeah, you know, we're going to, yeah, you're going to party all right. You're going to burn. Yeah, when I get to hell, someone said, I'm going to be so busy shaking hands with all my friends. That's what you think. What in hell do you want? There's nothing in hell that you want. Amen. So let's not flirt with it while we're here. I know I'm preaching a good message right now. Yeah, but you're preaching to the church. Just because you're in the church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Hell has nothing to offer you. I know that for a fact. I lived hell on earth for many, many, many years. But hell on earth is nothing compared to hell under the earth. You think you might have been through some things? You think you might have gone through some hell? You don't want to go there. Don't dance with devils. The world cries out, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. But the righteous call out. He satisfies the longing soul. My soul is satisfied in him. He's all I need. He's more than enough. He's my God. He's my Savior. He is my high. Hallelujah! Look at your neighbor and say, there ain't nothing in hell I want. And some of you need to get the hell out. Yeah, I said it. Some of you need to get the hell out and get some heaven in you. (laughs) And it's not hard to get hell out. Just start acting like a Christian. Just start doing what's right in his sight. Amen. Don't dance with devils. Don't dance with wolves. Oh, Shabbatai. Hallelujah. We might as well go to heaven. We might as well not even flirt with hell. Amen. Get hell out and get heaven in. And there is a lot of there is a lot that hell has available for you right here. 
And a lot of it is on the media. It is. A lot of it is out there in the spirit of this world. But I want to remind you, you are not of this world. I said you're not of this world. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. You are a citizen of heaven. Amen. And as a citizen of heaven, we must act in accordance to heaven's rules and heaven's principles. And you can see the principles of living Christ-like and God-like in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And listen, if you'll get a revelation that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you won't want to sin. I'm going to try that again. If you get a revelation, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you will not want to sin. See, the Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Now listen, one kingdom principle, and I might as well just sweep the whole house out today. But one kingdom principle that is so true and so very accurate is you can't run with losers and expect to win. You can't do it. See, the Word of God says this. The Word of God says that evil companionships or wrong associations, here's what they do. They corrupt good manners. In other words, it makes life wrong when you hang out with the wrong people. Now, you've got to balance that out and you need to understand that you are the light of this world, all right. And you're the salt of this earth. And we need to be light in a dark place. And we need to be a preservative of salt where salt is needed. But being light in a dark place doesn't mean hanging around with people in darkness and doing the same dark things that they're doing. And then you're going to let your light shine. Amen. Let the righteousness of God rise up in this day and this hour and do right and act right and live right. I think that's a good word. That's my introduction. Come boldly. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Now notice with me in Isaiah 32 verse 17. Isaiah 32 verse 17. I think we got our point out there. Look at Isaiah 32 verse 17. See, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it makes tremendous power available and it's dynamic in its work. So one effect that this blood-bought benefit of being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus will have on you is an effectual prayer life. Not one of these little weak, emaciated prayers, but a prayer that's filled with power. But here's another effect that righteousness has on you. Isaiah 32, 17. Are you ready, church? We're in class today, right? Ready, read. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness will be quietness. You see those three effects there? We've already talked about one, assurance and boldness. But the other effect that this relationship of right standing with God will have on you is peace 
and quietness. Now, with that in mind, I want you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 54. And I want us to look at a really important verse here about the effect of righteousness. In Isaiah chapter 54, and I believe it's verse 14, it points out here something that is important, and that is for us to be established in righteousness. Everyone say, be established. established. Now, now, what does the word established mean to you? I'm looking for definitions. To be settled. Anybody else? If you're established in something, what? Like you're steady. You're like right there. Okay, anybody else? Yes? You're standing firm. Okay, what else does established mean? Yes. You're grounded. Excellent definitions. Okay, so notice. Or secure, yes? Long lasting. Beautiful definitions. Everyone say established. established. To be settled. To be firm. To be solid. I like this one. Unmovable. You like that? See, we've got a kingdom that can't be moved. And we've got a king that can't be moved. And we're in his kingdom. Now notice this. Read just the, the part A of that verse. Ready, read. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Okay? So we are to be secure and firm in righteousness in this revelation of right standing with God. Amen? You see that? Now notice what happens as a result of being established in righteousness. Thou shalt be far from what? Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near. That's awesome. The effect of righteousness shall be peace and quietness. And when we're established in righteousness, oppression will not be able to come near us. Now, let's ask ourselves, what is oppression? Well, we could say it like this. Oppression is not good. Oppression is hellish. And remember, we're getting hell out. And we're getting heaven in. So if we're going to get the hell of oppression out of our lives, and the heaven of freedom from fear and peace and assurance, we must be established in our right standing with God. Now read it with that thought in mind. Ready, read. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Now I'm seeing something else as I'm reading that. Fearlessness. Fearlessness. Fearless. When you're far from oppression, you're fearless. And what causes you to be fearless is your right standing with God. Now track this with me. Turn me to Psalm 23. And notice this now. We have defined righteousness as the ability to stand in the presence of God without a sense of guilt, fear, or inferiority, right? So, would you buy into this fact 
that because you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you don't have to be afraid to go to God. Would you agree with this fact that because you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you don't have to be afraid? Now, look at Psalm 23, and I want us to read the whole psalm. Psalm 23, verse 1, I know it. But it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Aren't you glad he didn't say, the Lord is my shepherd, I'm full of want. No, the Lord's my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Is he the bishop of your soul? Is he watching over your emotions? Absolutely. Verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by... He leads me by the troubled waters? No, thank God he's leading you beside the still waters. Now that's quietness, isn't it? That's an effect of righteousness. Now verse 3. He restoreth my soul... And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his... Oh, we got to stop right there. Keep that up there. He restores my soul. Does your soul need some restoration? Absolutely. Because your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that's where the devil comes to assail and to bring his thoughts and suggestions and his threats. But as the bishop of your soul, and because you're in right standing with him, he restores your soul. He makes you whole. See, him restoring your soul is an effect of righteousness, which is peace. You will be far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear. Now notice. And he leads me. Say it with me. He leads me. In the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Question mark. Does righteousness have some paths? Is there a right way to go? He knows the way. And he'll lead you in paths of righteousness. And what will he do it for? His namesake. Now track with me here now. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of... In other words, even though hellish things are all around me, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comforts me. Woo, glory to God. So I want you to see here now, That you're going down the paths of righteousness and all around you, hell's trying to penetrate you. But because you're in right standing with God, you're far from oppression and you will not have to fear any evil. Now, why is that, Pastor Mark? Because his rod and his staff, what does it do? It comforts you. Now, notice the next verse. Thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies. I mean right smack dab in the midst of the wilderness. God has prepared a table for his children. He has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Now here's what I want you to see. Right smack dab In the presence of hell itself, in hellish things, God's got a table set for you. God's got a table set for me. Now listen, 
Since righteousness gives you the ability to stand in his presence without fear, you can surely sit at his table without any fear of those enemies that are under the table. (laughs) I said you can surely sit in the presence of your enemies at God's table without without any fear. And here's what I want you to see. This revelation of righteousness will not only make you bold toward God, but it'll make you bold toward hell. Turn me to Proverbs 28, verse 1. Say it with me. In righteousness, I am being established. I am far from oppression, for it does not come near me. I am far from fear and from all terror. Because I'm sitting at the table. I'm sitting at God's table. Proverbs 28.1. This is much more fun than the first service. Look at Proverbs 28.1. Ready, read. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are... No, it didn't say cold as a kitten. No, the righteous. I said the righteous. Those in right standing with God. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. The righteous are bold. Bold what? Bold what? As a lion. Woo, glory to God. And so, there is nothing to fear. There is nothing to be afraid of. You can stand up and you can speak to oppression. You can stand up and you can speak to fear. You can stand up and you can curse cancers. You can stand up and you can put the devil on the run every time because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you have authority in his name. It is a benefit of being blood bought. In closing, turn to me to Romans chapter 5. Romans the 5th chapter. Romans the 5th chapter. And as we look at this verse, I just want to say this to you, that God's work in Jesus was much greater than Satan's work in Adam. As a result of Adam's sin, death came on the scene. Think about it. If there had never been any sin, there would never be any death. But as a result of Adam's transgression, the Bible says sin began to reign. Romans 5, 17. Let's look at that. It says, for if by one man's offense, speaking of Adam, death reigned by one, much more, this is speaking of you and me, those who receive abundance of grace, and notice with me, the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is not something that you attain to. It's not something you can go to school and get. It's something that you were made. It's something that you were born as. Much more they would receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Look at your neighbor and say, righteousness Righteousness. 
It's a free gift. Oh, hallelujah. Now, if I had a $100 bill right here, and I went over to Brother Tony and said, here's a $100 bill. And if he just stood there and said, no, no, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. He wouldn't be able to partake of that $100 bill. What Tony would need to do, and this is a fake $100 bill, he need to put his hand out and take it. In other words, the gift of righteousness must be received. You must receive this free gift. Now notice with me, in the Amplified Version, it says we shall reign as kings in life through the one, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now, in those days, and the Apostle Paul used the term kings. Everyone say king. king. Because in those days, kings had power. Right? You go over to London today, and, you know, the queen is just kind of a, you know, she's a figurehead, right? And you go to other nations where they have kings, and they don't have the authority that they used to have in that day. And so when Paul is saying, we shall reign as kings, he's talking about having rule, having dominion, and having kingly authority. And he's saying that through this right standing with God, that you can, as a child of the king, and as one of the king's kids, you can begin to exercise your rulership and your dominion in this life. Now, I know that heaven's going to be awesome. But I'm not waiting to get to heaven before I partake of the life that he's made available to me now. See, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Amen. And so he says, sons, daughters, children of God, rise up in this day, rise up in this hour and begin to take your dominion and rule as a king in this life. What this is saying in closing, you were never created to be dominated. You were created for dominion and to dominate serpents, scorpions, circumstances, sickness, disease, poverty, and lack. Children of God reign this week in life through the one Jesus Christ. Well, did you get anything out of this today? Let's all stand up. Let's all stand up and thank him that his word is true and that his word is settled in heaven.